0: time enough at last
1: submitted for your consideration to sci-fi fans Sean Majors and Keith Conrad re-watch The Twilight
0: Zone from beginning to end like something out of that Twilighty show about that zone the time is the day after tomorrow the place a far corner of the universe the cast of characters three men lost amongst the stars three men sharing the common urgency of all men lost they're looking for home and in a moment, they'll find home. Not a home that is a place to be seen, but a strange, unexplainable experience to be felt.
2: Episode number 20 of The Twilight Zone is uh, is Elegy. And, uh, you know, we, we talked last week about how there's, you know, like things that sort of tend to repeat themselves in The, in the Twilight Zone, like I, I guess basic themes. Uh, As far as like the the setting of of an episode and one that that does seem to come up uh, quite a bit is uh, astronauts running out of fuel. (laughs) Apparently in the Twilight Zone, nobody is taking a look at their gas
1: gauge. It seems like an easy thing to plan for.
2: It it does. Yeah. And um, so uh, these three astronauts, they land their spaceship on a remote asteroid. And this is another situation, much like uh, the Lonely, where it's an asteroid, but <laughs> they land on it and it looks just like Earth, which that's not how asteroids work.
1: The only, <laughs> the only, the only uh, times that I've heard about landing on an asteroid are in the Twilight Zone or in uh, Star Wars. Uh,
2: and for a while there, NASA was going to try to land on an asteroid, but that uh, that didn't happen.
1: Did they blow it up with Bruce Willis and Steve Buscemi instead?
2: I, I think that was probably the idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so they land on this uh, this this Earth-like planet, except everybody seems to be like completely frozen in time. Yeah. Uh, and um, and uh, you know, not only that, but it's uh, at one point they do reference that it's the year twenty one eighty six, and uh, apparently uh, Earth they've already had. Uh, you know, some kind of nuclear war and, uh, it's, it's not a very pleasant place to be. No. And so it doesn't look like this sort of like idyllic, uh, community that, that they're seeing there. And then, then they, they explore a little bit and they see, uh, it, it's really a a little like uh Westworld. uh, in that you go to different places and, you know, (laughs) there's people slaying dragons and, uh, you know, an old West place. And, uh, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's a place that basically looks like a uh, you know sort of Rod Serling's uh, you know perfect little town, Happy Glades, is, exactly. And uh, you know eventually they're you know they're they're kind of kind of beginning to to settle in, except uh, except again nobody's everybody seems to be frozen, and then suddenly someone actually starts moving, and it it, it turns out that it's. Uh, we basically learn that uh, this is a, a gigantic cemetery where uh, rich people are are sent to spend their i don't know afterlife, i guess <laughs> uh, just sort of like like living whatever life they would have wanted to
1: with uh, and, and this is a very this is a very like 1960s ter- term like made up term but i love the fact that uh, wickwire calls it eternifying fluid
2: Yes. Yeah, that, that is very 1960s uh, sci fi
1: Oh, yeah, it makes it just called Eternifying that They'll eat it up. They'll eat it up.
2: <laughs> like, they, they, I, I don't know if it was, like, just Serling or if there was, like, an actual writer's room for this episode, but I, I can just uh, imagine. Well, let's see. We've got to figure out some way for this to work. Eternifying fluid. <laughs>
1: There's there's got to be like a like a like a joke in some episode of The Simpsons um, making fun of like writers on a 1960s sci-fi show calling something eternifying. Fluid.
2: <laughs> I, I could see that. I mean, that, that would fit fit along uh, well with uh, where, where uh, Krusty says we need this new, uh, <laughs> need this new character. It's going to be a dog. Yes. uh call him something like poochie except better we <laughs> leave the room and the writers all go so we okay with poochie
1: <laughs> oh uh, i miss poochie i gotta watch that episode poochie died on the way home to his home planet <laughs> on his way back to happy glades yeah exactly to his home asteroid um this i i genuinely love this story i think it's i think it's fantastic
2: yeah, it is another uh, doomed asteroids, uh, doomed astronaut story. I should say, <laughs> doomed
1: um, astronaut wearing um clothes that looks like they just like somebody's like aunt sewed it like twenty minutes before the, the episode.
2: Right? It, yeah, it was like they they're in a school play and they have to play astronaut. <laughs> So their their mom makes them uh, an astronaut costume just out of their winter coat.
1: The collars on those spacesuits, it, it is. I had to watch the episode twice because I was like, I, I just I wasn't focusing on on it nearly enough. And and like I said, I genuinely enjoy the story, so I wanted to <laughs> watch it very closely. But I had a, a a big part of that was just focusing on the collars on those spacesuits. They looked yeah. like mini like uh, pool noodles.
2: Yeah, they, they looked like, yeah, that that's a good description. And uh, like, you know, as, as we've mentioned, you know, it's a it, it's a it's a show that was made in the 60s with a, a relatively uh, modest budget. So when you look from one episode to the other, like all the astronauts in various stories, they, they tend to be wearing the same uniforms because they were probably literally the same costume. <laughs> and for, for some reason, this one got its own. And boy, are they something.
1: And with uh, continuity, I guess that makes sense in the larger Twilight Zone. Uh, you know the 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 larger Twilight Zone universe.
2: Yeah. Uh, so so there are a couple of uh, science uh, issues that I that I have to point out here. Please. First of all, as we mentioned earlier, it's an asteroid with an atmosphere
1: <laughs> <laughs> and weather. You know how asteroids it's have weather.
2: Yeah. At one point, they do say they're six hundred and fifty-five million miles from Earth, Ooh. Um, which would be, probably be somewhere between Jupiter and Eurectum. <laughs> um And which is Damn
1: near, damn near, nearly killed him. Uh,
2: that that's a that's a Futurama uh, a reference <laughs> and Futurama in, in this episode. That's not bad. Uh, which you know. I'm actually fine with because that would that would make a lot of sense because it would be relatively close to Earth. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so that absolutely that aspect of it actually makes sense. Yeah. The problem is at at one point, probably seconds after saying, "Oh, we're six hundred and fifty five million miles from uh, from Earth," they look up and they're like, "Oh, there's two suns." Yeah. So that makes that that totally blows it out of the water.
1: Yeah, it would have to be a different. Uh... a a different um solar system system. yeah
2: unless they're living in a in a in a world like we're actually to believe that this uh episode of the twilight zone is actually a sequel to uh 2010 the year we make contact the Uh sequel uh 2001 a space odyssey where jupiter becomes a star
1: you know what it's all in. The, it's all in the same universe it's like uh <clears throat> they're picking up where uh marvel left off
2: it, and it's where universal one, failed yeah one one interconnected universe yeah <laughs> that, that yeah marvel was actually actually looking at the twilight zone and and uh and arthur c Clarke, and and they were like yeah we, we can make a sequel to this
1: i i um <laughs> looking at the the wikipedia page for this episode um Spaceship equipment originally constru- uh, originally constructed for f- the film Forbidden Planet was reused yeah. for this episode.
2: Yeah, which is like the the second or third episode already, yeah, where they've used stuff from Forbidden Planet. so so like so obviously the the, the first episode we had the town square from back to the future. Uh, <laughs> it actually, in that case wasn't being reused. it, it was reused in back to the future. Uh, and we've had the the sets from Forbidden Planet reused like four times already in, in you know, like 20 episodes. So
1: I'm just I'm just waiting for Anne Francis to show up in one of these episodes.
2: It, it seems like she has to. I mean, uh, Robbie the Robot shows up in a later episode. <laughs>
1: That's true. Uh, at,
2: at least one that I can think of.
1: Oh, And apparently the sound effects uh, heard inside the spaceship uh, were used again six years later on the bridge of the Starship USS Enterprise. Nice in the original I, Star Trek. I, I,
2: you know, now I I almost have to have to go back and rewatch it just to see if I can if I can find that.
1: I really hey. like this episode. I I it's not something that I remembered from a previous uh, run through, but mm-hmm. it's good. It's good. I, I I love the story. Um, I I think it's fantastic.
2: Yeah, it's one that I uh, that I always. Uh, it, it seems to be one that like in marathons and everything. It 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 doesn't pop up all that often. No,
1: very rarely. I I,
2: I always uh, make it a point to watch it when it when it is on, and and yeah, I would agree that it it's one that I really like, even though it has kind of a downer of an ending. Um, again, being a little bit a bit of a science uh, science nerd here, uh, we do learn from Wickwire after he shows up that uh, Happy Glades was founded in 1973. Mm-hmm. And when you think about the fact that this is 1960, they are being really, they are being really optimistic about uh, <laughs> about what the future is going to look like.
1: Really optimistic,
2: like like this. You know, these astronauts are landing like a hundred years later, so, so that's fine. But we're we're basically led to believe that you know we'll not only have gone to, gone to space. We will be so, you know, so advanced in our, our our spacefaring that we'll just be burying people in space.
1: Yeah, I mean, 13 years, 13 years in the future.
2: Yeah, 13 years after, you know, like at that point, we haven't even sent anybody into space yet. <laughs> uh, it's, it's 11 years after we've sent people to space. There's already an industry to have rich people buried in space.
1: <laughs> didn't even think about that.
2: <laughs> it's a little optimistic.
1: This is the uh, precursor to the uh, you know Joe DiMaggio, Walt Disney having their heads frozen.
2: Yeah, and, and obviously this would have been before uh, either of those uh, gentlemen passed away. So yeah, that that uh, yeah, you're right. That that would have been the, the precursor
1: of it. And of course, you can't think you can't talk about heads being frozen without thinking about Futurama. Clearly, not necessarily frozen, but just. Stasis in a, in a jar of goo.
2: Second, uh, second Futurama (laughs) uh, reference of the episode.
1: (laughs) Um, this, this episode, it kind of reminded me of the, um, I guess it's, I guess it's the first episode, right? Uh, where the, the, the guy, um, he's he's just walking around uh, and,
2: uh, you know, probably that or the, um. Uh, the episode, which is one of uh, another one of my favorites, a stopover in a quiet town, which we'll get yeah. to uh, uh, later That's on. down. The road. And uh, yeah, because you're you've got people who are suddenly sort of thrown into a, a
1: world where for some reason there's
2: basically nobody
1: there with them. I, uh, I, c- I kind of want to watch it again in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> love this one. This, this, this is not like a, a Mount Rushmore episode, of course, for me, but like. It's it's something that I will never that I'll remember in a in a future run through and uh, and probably will not skip over.
2: Yeah, you know the the one thing that I kept thinking of was um, uh, so I don't know if you've ever seen the the movie version of uh, the Martian Chronicles. No, uh, which came out I think in like 1980, and it was a it was a really poorly done. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, TV movie version, yeah. So imagine like this big sprawling, uh, you know, sci fi drama played out as a like ABC movie of the week with you know little plastic models on strings. <laughs> uh, but uh, like that was actually my first introduction to the Martian Chronicles, so that's sort of what I go to more, more so than the books or 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 anything else. And there's actually a uh there's a, a a part of that where astronauts land on, on Mars and they actually like land in the middle of a little small town. And it turns out that they're surrounded by, you know, like loved ones that have, have already died. And then uh, gradually they, uh, they get invited to dinner with their, uh, with their loved ones and they're basically poisoned because the Martians thought they were, you know, like <laughs> to invade. Yeah. And uh, that, that's what I always think because it plays out exactly the same way where they're, you know, like they're, uh, they're very... They're
1: I kind of want to watch that now.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're they're poisoned and, and slowly die. It, it is, like, it is actually worth watching. Um, you know, if... For, first of all, like, The the Martian Chronicles by Ray Bradbury is great, just, just on its own. Yeah. Um, but separate from that, this thing is so poorly done that... <laughs> It, it, it it's almost like too bad to be on MST 3K or riff tracks.
1: <laughs> it sounds yeah. charming so, in, in, in its attempt. It,
2: it is. It is a, it is a charming, uh, charming little show. And, I, and again, it's one of those things that I saw when I was like, you know,
1: of course. Yeah.
2: Six. And so I,
1: I, I it's always going to be with you. Um, <clears throat> one, uh, one last thing I, I will say about this is, uh, you know, I, I don't know if this is a morality, uh, a morality tale, but there, there definitely is a message like when, uh, when Wickwire, um, you know, says that, look, you got like you're humans and well, you're men. And while there are men, there can be no peace. It just, it, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a jab at like the, um, <clears throat> you know, what I'm sure has felt like eternal war for people living in 1960, uh, you know, we, yeah. talked, we talked last week about World War II only, only being uh, 15 years, uh, the end of World War II only being 15 years old. And then, you know, you, you had uh, mentioned, you know, how how far away are they from Korea? How far away are, you know, they are from Vietnam and stuff like that. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, so I, I, I guess that's, that's pretty uh, pretty relevant for the time.
2: Yeah, I know that uh, they mentioned that there was a nuclear war in
1: 1985.
2: Yeah, and uh, you know, to your point, based on sort of the trajectory everything was going, that sort of <laughs> didn't seem too far fetched.
1: It's not. It's not out of the question. And thank God, because I would have been too and probably uh, very ill-equipped to uh, fight off any raiders or um, uh, Harry Bemis's just looking to read. Um, right. You know. So.
2: Uh, so this does bring up the question uh you know since uh on this uh, this asteroid uh <laughs> can, you can be frozen in time and you know any anything you want to be uh what would you be
1: Ooh, uh I think I think I'd just be a just be a podcaster with keith Conrad
2: <laughs> you you're you're truly living your best life right
1: now. <laughs> what what I didn't get about this is so are they just turned into mannequins can they can they think like or is it just they're just like wax they're basically just mannequins they're not like they're not alive they're dead right i
2: i would assume so like i i don't think they were going for the eventual walt disney the actual thing,
1: yeah the actual right. frozen <laughs> yeah uh, uh,
2: you know we, we can bring him back to life or, or mr burns uh in, in the future we can bring him back to life as soon as we find the cure for 17. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: It seems like a waste of money. Like, you know, if, if, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get too in the weeds about philosophical or spiritual arguments here, but like either there is an afterlife, there is a God, a heaven, whatever you want to call it. And.
2: And you're not going to care what happens to your body.
1: You're not going to care what happens to your body or there isn't and it doesn't matter anyway <laughs> so you know what i would do um uh l- let's call it my silver medal because i'm i'm sticking with my podcasting with keith conrad as uh as my first choice second i'm just going to donate my organs maybe oh, m- okay. maybe help a couple people that i didn't while i was still on this planet
2: so so they wouldn't uh they wouldn't be able to uh you know put put you into any sort of situation as a a meat mannequin <laughs> They, That's all they are—they're meat mannequins, Keith.
1: <laughs> you just—you just be hollowed out.
2: Oh gosh,
1: maybe I don't like this episode.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think you like you have every you you like everything about it, but you still have questions.
1: Exactly. I I you know you, you got to be practical about these things. Uh, you,
2: you, what's interesting? Well, you know, I I will say this: like, there's actually, especially now, it, it's becoming bigger uh there's a there's a whole industry of launching people's remains into space now
1: yeah yeah i'm okay with that like that sounds like fun like uh uh what's his name uh fear Loathing in las vegas how do i not remember uh, hunter Assange. Assange. good lord yeah he had his ashes shot out of a cannon that sounds like a lot of fun that's fine you know um still probably but, but it's not, it's still not fun for you you, you don't remember <laughs> it <you know? laughs> exactly so i don't know um but I, then again i guess i guess it does speak to like these are supposed to be just like you know rich jerks who uh you know who are probably very vain and want to want to like hang on to you know their visage. And, and even though, you know, they don't know it and no one else cares and no one else actually sees it unless you're an astronaut who can't, you know, appropriately uh, uh, calculate how much fuel you need. No one's ever going to see just your bodies, like, you know, your body sitting in a, you know, in a chair at a bar or something like that.
2: It, it, that's the, that, that, that's a actually a really good point because it's one thing if there's like a hall of rich people, okay. Yep. <laughs> and you, Everybody's got their own little bibbit where they're behind glass in their you know little little frozen state. Yeah, and so you can you can come in and, and you know for whatever reason you decide you want to you want to pay for a ticket to go see uh, <laughs> to, to go see uh, Elon Musk, uh, you know, dressed up as a cave diver or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, you know, nobody's gonna see this. Yeah, like it's you know, on so an asteroid. You know, you're not going to know it, and it's in an asteroid that's uh, somewhere between uh, Jupiter and Uranus. Uh, <laughs> like so these... nobody's going to see it. And apparently, if anybody does come to see it, the guy kills them. <laughs>
1: like, how many, how, let's say, how many astronauts were there in, you know, in, in 1960? Well, I guess it's not 1960 because it's... Uh,
0: uh, they,
2: they were, t- there were seven in the U.S. and three in Russia. <laughs>
1: 2173. You know, like, so take that small like 0.00001% of the world's population. They found this by accident. Like that was impressive. No one's going to see it. So it really is just for you just to like oh man maybe that's the message then like when when your time's up, your time's up, just give up, man. Like save some space for the for for the next generation
2: yeah i mean for all we know uh there's a rich uh vein of unobtainium uh (laughs) under the uh, right under happy glades and nobody knows it because they haven't mined this asteroid because there's all these rich people just sitting there
1: now this unobtainium that you speak of is it very hard to obtain
2: it is yes (laughs) It's, it's it's difficult
1: uh Still love the episode.
2: Yeah, it, it is still an entertaining episode. Just don't think about it too deeply.
1: Yeah, don't be us. Yeah, just, yeah.
2: I mean, it's basically what we're, we're we should, we should like change this to, you know, <laughs> Sean and Keith ruin the Twilight Zone episode <laughs> by thinking about it
1: Oh, God. Especially like the time when I uh, spoiled the, uh, I forget which, which one I spoiled at like the minute one of our, uh, like our episode 11 or something yeah. like that.
2: <laughs> uh, so so the, the next episode we'll be doing a deep dive in and completely ruining. <laughs> we'll be Mirror Image.
0: Can't wait. Kirby, Weber, and Myers. Three men lost. They shared a common wish. A simple one, really. They wanted to be aboard their ship headed for home. And fate, a laughing fate. A practical jokester with a smile that stretched across the stars saw to it that they got their wish with just one reservation the wish came true but only in the twilight zone